from you because here you are. And we desire to hear from you through your word. Lord, I pray that you would lead and direct this time. May it be profitable for our souls. And may you be glorified by it. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we begin the Q&A portion, uh, I, uh, it's funny, I actually found an email that was from last year that I realized I never opened. And it was, a, it was an email that was saying, uh, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he talked about this atmosphere where everybody had an exhortation, everybody had a song, everybody had a word, and is there any time for such a thing? And uh, I thought, wow, one, I missed this. Typical Tawfiq. And then two, what an opportunity to, to see. So before I begin asking questions, I just wanted to see, um, has the Lord laid some exhortation, uh, some word, some, something on your heart that is going to be profitable for the rest of us? Has the Lord shown you something this week as you've been reading? Has there been a, a time where you confronted uh, with a temptation and the Lord gave you grace to resist it or you spoke on behalf of his great name and there was um, either rejection but you rejoiced that you were kind of ready to suffer or he gave grace and that person listened to you, paid attention, maybe even was converted. Is there anything like that? Since I got here, 
Yeah, that's wow, that was said there. Uh, in what does it says, what does it say in Ecclesiastes that the Lord has stamped eternity, right, on our hearts? That the reality that that we were made for Him, we were not made for this world. Uh, we are not satisfied in the things of this world, though people pursue it, and that hunger is there. And uh, when we are faithful to obey the Lord, to go with his word and tell people what he says uh, with uh, all sincerity and purity of heart, uh, the Lord uses that, right? Either to convict them um, or to bring them in. And uh, yeah, that's truly, truly encouraging. And God reaches into the depths of the murkiest pits because that's where he got us from, right? Pulled us out. Yeah. Amen. Uh, word of wisdom and encouragement, if the conversation is meant to continue, a great opportunity to say, I have some sisters who would be excellent at taking this to the next step because you need this in a deeper way and that protects you and her and keeps the main thing the main thing. Thank you for sharing, brothers. Good. Anybody else? Might I add that these trips to the ER were at a time when you were a little tired? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you felt even your own limitations. Um, it's amazing how God does that. He shows us the things that we can't do to bring us to the place where we see all that He can do. And that's a really healthy place to be. Uncomfortable. We don't ask for it, right? We like things to go smooth. But yeah, that's. It is encouraging. And he's, he draws near to, does the Bible say the Lord draws near to what kind of hearted people? The broken hearted. He draws near to the broken hearted. Yeah. And we want them near. We don't want broken hearts, but we want them near. And he uses that. Even in children. 
Oh, anything else before we launch into some? Ah, yeah, that's that's wisdom. I don't know if anyone else is to, to or uh, well. First, to the, to the previous point about the the man that you were speaking to. Um, the thing that just kind of rang, rang in my head, not kind of the thing that was ringing in my head was, then the devil comes. You know, when the word of God is preached, then the devil comes. 
And for this man, I have heard you. And then when you're calling him to respond, the outburst. Uh, cer- certainly, all the things you said, there was something that you said that this other guy said before, right? The name Jesus alone would have triggered him. But this is response. Uh, Yes, it could have been the trauma. It could have been the hypocrisy of this other man. It could be you're watching Romans 2 live out before your face because of you. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. You're seeing that because of this other guy's stuff. But also it could be very just supernatural, right? Um, it's a very common thing. Um, so, yes, continue to pray. And I believe you said it maybe the last time you were preaching about praying before evangelism, even in the midst of it and afterward. Uh, so, yeah, we, 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 we can't fight those battles alone, but God is absolutely able to. Uh, but to your second point, yes, that is, that is extremely healthy thinking. To come in full knowledge, all of your problems, all of the stress, all the pain, And to look to the only one who is able, not just to take it away from you, but who can give you the grace that is sufficient as you go through it. It's like like what makes forgiveness so beautiful? It's not that you have amnesia. Right? I don't remember what you did. No. I know full well what you did. And I'm still choosing to pardon you. That's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes faith in the Lord pleasing to Him. Because you know what you're dealing with and you're looking to Him to be your only source and supply for everything. So He sees that as you see me as your all in all. Um, So yes, continue to do that. Bring your burdens, bring your weights, bring your hurts, bring your heartbreak, bring your tears, bring your stress, bring your worry, bring it to the throne of grace that you may receive help in a time of need. He is able to help. He is the great provider when you have no provision. He is the great healer when you are sick. He is the great comforter when you are afflicted. He is our all in all. So bring it. Bring it. Um, And even... When we ask one another, how are you doing? It's another opportunity to minister to others with those same truths. This week has been rough. Really. Well, I was reading this, so let me encourage you with it. Amen.
It reminded me of what we read last week in Zechariah, uh, the, the last verse of Zechariah 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew. No one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor a circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly in circumcision as a matter of the heart by the spirit. So you are a Jew. <laughs> A true Jew shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. That's our place in this world. These people don't know God. They don't have hope. They don't have, they don't know. But they say, Wait, you do. I heard you know the God of Israel. I heard you're a follower of the crystals. I heard you are one of his. Take me with you. <laughs> Bring me to him. Show me. Teach me. Tell me. How do I? That's, that's glorious. Zechariah 8, 20, 20, there's not, 3. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. I don't have any questions on my docket. Are there any in the room or in the hearts? someone commits suicide, it's because they have no hope. And therefore, since every Christian has hope, and therefore they should be condemned to hell. And we took the example of Samson, and even in the example of Samson, I don't see like it's, I don't see that as suicide, I see it as a So looking at the example of Samson who pushed down the pillars as the building fell upon him, which took his own life, as well as the lives of was it a thousand Philistines, killed more in that than he did in his life. Mm-hmm. You see that as a victory, uh, not as self-death. So that was like him charging into the battle. For the sake of my eyes, not for the sake of your name. 
doing. Sure. Is it possible for a Christian to commit suicide? Well, sir, first off, what is suicide? Let's define our terms. Killing yourself, but killing is not, you know, the, the, the law is thou shalt not murder, right? So we make the distinction. You're right, you're, you're, you're taking your life, but it's an unlawful taking. A, uh, the sword is given to the state, not in vain, but they are God's judgment, right? Um, to take life. So taking life is not sinful. Unlawful the t- taking of life is, and that's murder. When you take a life that you do not have permission to take, you're not, the, it's murder. You're, you're murdering yourself. And that is wicked. And the Bible says no murderer will inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, murderers, well, Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount. Whoever murders is liable to the judgment. Murder is no small thing. Uh, the blood of Abel cried out from the ground because Cain murdered his brother. Murder is an evil and vile and detestable thing. Now, all that is true. But the question remains, did Christ die for murderers? Is murder the unforgivable sin? If murder is not the unforgivable sin, and Christ did indeed die for murderers, then suicide is murder, then what does the logic say? Now, we're going to get to the hope part, but I just want to establish what is suicide because we don't want to adopt Catholicism to our Protestant Christianity. We are not Catholics. We don't believe in venial sins and cardinal sins. We don't believe in that, and that's where that whole thing came from. We, We don't buy into that at all. Jesus dismissed that when he said, if you're angry in your heart, you've committed murder. They wouldn't say anger is a major thing. Jesus said it is. So just to define our terms, suicide is murder. Murder is wicked. Christ died for murderers. Murder is forgivable. Yes, ma'am. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So to die in your sins means you are unforgiven. All the guilt and weight, the debt remains upon you. But those who are in Christ are not in their sin. You're either in Christ or you're in your sin. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. You're either forgiven or you're unforgiven. You're either saved or you're lost. There's only two categories. And if Jesus Christ has saved you, how many of your sins has He saved you from? The great cry from the cross, it is finished. 
The Father was satisfied. Jesus was put forward as the propitiation. The wrath of God was quenched. The sponge of God's wrath that was soaked in the wine of His anger was squeezed dry. Not a drop remained. All of your sins, Christian, have been forgiven. All of them. Even the ones you have committed. Jesus is not coming back to earth, getting back on the road, living another life of perfection, getting on the cross and say, oh, they sinned again. Father, I have to die for him again. No, he died once for all, one-time sacrifice that covers us who are in him. Now, that's absolutely essential for your assurance, Christian, because the enemy of your soul will come to you after you've sinned and said, look at what you've done. You're not really a Christian. And the guilt and the condemnation falls upon you. But Romans 8.1 begins with what wonderful news. Who knows it? There is therefore now how much? No what? Say it. For those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. How? Because he was condemned in our place. So that, that's important to establish. We got to get to the hopeless part. That's important. Um, so, if you leave this place and you get cut off on the road and from your mouth come foul four-letter words, profane, let no corrupting speech come out of your mouth, but only such as gives grace to those who hear that it builds up. It's sinful it's wicked. It's wrong. And if Christ returns, or if that cutoff ends to the cutoff of your life, and you stand before the Lord now, the last thing you spoke was forbidden speech. Are you going to go to hell? Y'all don't seem too sure. <laughs> Are you going to go to hell if you're a Christian? No. It's okay. It's an open book test. I mean, you know, with confidence. No. Why? Because cursing is not bad? Why will you not perish, though the last thing that came out of your mouth was foul, forbidden speech? Why? Because of Christ. He suffered like he walked around cursing like a sailor. The Father poured out his fury on him. And exhausted it for every foul word that will ever come out of your mouth. Now, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be talking like that. And sanctification moves you along. But you get the point, right? Okay. Any questions before we get to the hope thing? Oh. Now, the, the, the beautiful thing about, <laughs> okay, remember, whatever we say to others, we say to ourselves, right? Um, let me ask you all a question. Christian, you don't have to raise your hand, but the groans will say it all. 
Are there any sins that you have committed willingly since you've been a Christian? Uh Uh-oh. Any sins you've committed willingly more than once since you've been a Christian? Okay, so what do we do with that? Could it be said that you've gone on? See, we have to take the whole chunk. And what is said here, um, is that Hebrews 6 or 10? Because they both kind of wrapped up together. They both present the, the alarming and eye-opening warnings. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But... Recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. He's making a distinction here. To go on sinning deliberately is set up against setting aside the law of Moses. All right, here's the law of Moses. I'm setting that aside. I don't care about it. I don't care what God has to say. I know what he says, but I don't care. Well, listen, as a Christian, there are times when you have sinned with knowledge. But then what do you do? There's repentance. There's brokenness. You don't go on sinning deliberately without a care in the world. Your heart is free. There's no conviction. There's no bearing down of the spirit. There's no discipline. That's not this. These are the people, just like what we read earlier in chapter 6, of these people who have shared in the spirit. They've been enlightened. They've been around it, but they're not truly in. No, the fact of the matter is that if you are genuinely a Christian, though you sin... And though you sin with knowledge at times, you never do it in peace. You never do it with joy. You cannot just, like the proverb talks about the prostitute who eats and says, I've done nothing wrong. But that's what these were people doing. That's what these people were doing. And the verse before it are talking about those who neglect to meet together, which is the habit of some. This is habitual. This is a lifestyle. This is what it talks about in 1 John. If we go on sinning, if we practice sin, uh, my children are in baseball and they go to practice. Your children are in soccer. They go to practice. Some of you are musicians. You practice. What's the purpose of practicing? To get better, right? There's a goal in mind. I want to improve. 
And there are people in this world who practice sin because they want to get better. How can I enjoy this wickedness more? How can I multiply it? Inventors of evil, finding ways to do these things more sneakily, more stealthily, to, 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 to manipulate people and to rob people and to trick people and to hurt people. You're looking for it. That's a very different thing from the one even the righteous man stumbles how many times? Seven times, but rises up again? Stumble. There's a stumble. There are stumbling blocks. There's a reality that you can feel feeling. You read the Psalms. So, just to say, I don't know if that satisfies uh, my take of Hebrews 10 here, um, but for the sake of time, can we go forward? All right. Hope. The one who commits suicide has no hope, right? They're displaying they have no hope. Let me ask you a question. What is worry? Sin. What sin? Not trusting God, which would be called what? Unbelief. Unbelief. So the one who worries has no faith. Right? Well, doesn't the Christian have faith? What do you do? I mean, it goes from worry to anxiety. It's not just an inward feeling. It's starting to come out with shakes and trembles and sweaty palms and withdrawing yourself. Anxiety. I don't, want to, I don't want to be around the crowd. Well, the Christian has faith in God. They trust him. So how do you explain a Christian worrying? Does that mean if a Christian worries, they're not a Christian? And then when the worry removes, we say, okay, now you are. Oh, you worried again. Nope, you're not. What do we do? Are Christians pure? Only in Christ. Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart. What's the next phrase? They shall see God. Pure. Christian, you ever done anything impure? So what I'm trying to get at here, what we see in the life of Elijah, for example. Did Elijah trust God? Yes. So much so that he's used as an example of faith and prayer. And yet, what's happening when Jezebel threatens him. Where's his faith? He wanted to die. He ran away from her, hid out in the wilderness. He didn't want to eat. He didn't want to die. He He came up with this, I'm the only one left. Woe is me. Nobody else is trusting you and they're after my life. You can hear him. The prophet of God? What do we make of that? 
what we make of that is what we already know. Just because you're in Christ does not mean that you cannot slip into activities that do not resemble a child of God. We've all done that. You have murdered with your heart. You have said things you should not have said. You've thought things you should not have thought. You have acted. If someone saw you at the wrong time, they would say, that's not a Christian. True? If someone walked into your home, listened to a conversation, saw you in trap, wherever, they would say, that's not a Christian. But you are. So this person, again, murder is evil, suicide is murder, murderers will not inherit the kingdom of God. If this is your practice, if this is your habit, if this is your lifestyle, if you just live a life of that, then you need to repent and turn to Christ. But to say that a Christian cannot fall into a moment of despair where they immediately become surrounded by the whispers of the enemy and they do something foolish, not thinking clearly, and then we dismiss them and say, no Christian, I think it would be inconsistent. Because we would have to apply, remember Jesus said, by the measure you judge, what? You will be judged. So if we say, okay, that's not a Christian because they had a moment of hopelessness, and a Christian always has hope, and if you have hopelessness at any time, you're not a Christian, then Christians have faith and trust in God. And if you lack faith or trust at any time, then you're not a Christian. We say, no, we wouldn't do that. We do this because of the influence of Catholicism in our culture. But you read the Bible and look for this condemnation of suicide as this unique thing. Can you find it? Anybody got a verse? A story, a principle, even if it's not explicit, maybe an implicit anything? Thank you. That was the next step. Some people see death because they are in so much pain that they want to leave. Others say, I want to be with the Lord and I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of my sin. I'm tired of messing up. I'm tired of being a failure. Lord, I just want to be with you. Now, is that right thinking? No, it's not right thinking. Somewhat you want to be with him, but you can see that there's distortion there. He's not thinking properly. She's not thinking clearly. But this is how the enemy works. He is crafty. He is deceptive. And he will take a good thought and spin it to a place where it becomes sinful. And in our church, there may be some of us who are tempted with such thoughts. You know, they prescribe me sleeping pills, right? I've talked to you all about my sleep problems. The side effects of some of these, guess what they are? Suicidal thoughts. 
suicidal thoughts. That's the side effect of medicine that's supposed to help you sleep. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's medica- medication. Hey, there's more to be understood than did they take their own life and then we conclude, therefore, they're not a Christian. Certainly it cast doubt. Certainly it's not encouraging. Certainly it's not obedient to the Lord. Certainly this is not the habit of people who love the Lord and trust in him. Our joy, our hope is eternal. Our joy is eternal. But sometimes we're not feeling very joyful. There's a difference between the feeling and the reality. You may not feel forgiven, but if you're a Christian, you're forgiven. So that's the, and this is where the body of Christ coming along one another, us being honest with how we're actually doing, right? I'm not doing well, and I'm actually thinking about ending my life. Here comes the brethren to encourage with truth and remind and point to hope. The enemy is not going to leave you alone from this sin. He will tempt you with it too. And maybe you're not predisposed to that. The Bible, church history, oh man, I read these, um, there's this book I have called Pastor Sketches by Ichabod Spencer. It's very, very good. He was called the Spurgeon of Brooklyn. Like everybody's the Spurgeon of this. Conrad and Bay, Spurgeon of Africa. But he was really, really good, and he records these difficult counseling sessions that he had. And there were some people, and they would call it, the Puritans would call it, that they had a melancholy spirit. Melancholy. They just always seemed to be down. Some people, they just smile, they walk in, they're the, they're the life of the party. And other people are given to, to sorrow. It's just easier for them to feel melancholy. Those people are among us, and they need Support. They need to be encouraged. They need to be rebuked sometimes, but they need to be exhorted and reminded and given hope and promise. What else you got, brother? He will. What does it mean to grieve the Spirit? And didn't we all admit to doing that? What about quenching the Spirit? I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean, the reality, you're absolutely right. Do you think that when Moses saw that Egyptian 
when he started looking both ways, <laughs> as the scripture says, before he murdered him, do you think that the Spirit of God was saying to him, do not do this? That's why he hid it. That's why he hid the body. Do you think that when David was walking along the palace and he looked down? Yes. Oh, when David looked down and he saw this woman that he was not supposed to look at, do you think that the Spirit of God who he loved and worshipped and cried out to and dwelt in the midst of and saw the great, do you think that God was there, Spirit convict, don't do this, don't do this, don't bring her here, don't do, certainly he resisted the conviction of the Spirit and he went into the depths of his sin and then he didn't confess it. He hid it for over nine months to the point where the baby was born. And he discussed what was going on inside of him. My bones are dried up. I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's. Sorry, that was my question. Yeah. The reality is, commentators are split. Some say this was God's discipline for his people. Some say, well, you got that language of why has Satan filled your heart? Why has he filled your heart to lie to the Spirit? And yet, our brother, I thought really beautifully, pointed out that same thing could have been said of Peter like a couple of times. So, I, I don't know. Um, again, it doesn't look encouraging, and the Bible doesn't scream where they are, you know, all we know is that they were killed for lying to the Spirit of God. Yeah, I, I, I hear you, but I, I would say I, I don't think that there's a either or of that, right? I mean, the, the destination for those who are following Christ is eternal life, and those who are not is eternal destruction. And Jesus spent, I mean, what did he give us? Like four different analogies in the Sermon on the Mount for those who look like it, but they're not, right? The two roads, the two trees, the two houses. Um, yeah, so 
you're, you're, you're right. We, we, we can get distracted with was he in, was he out, but I, I think that this is a, a very important conversation. Yes, oh, even in the, the Proverbs, right? The, the wise man versus the fool. Yeah, that's, it's critical that we see distinction because when God saves us, we are light, which means everything else is darkness. And Paul says, you need to examine yourself, test yourself to see if you really are in the faith unless you fail to meet the test. So, Now, I'm just simple Tawfiq. So there may be others who have done enough research and they know their Bible and the languages and they could say, no, I actually can tell you by this, this, and this, they were not or they are. I don't know. But that doesn't mean that we can't know. So if y'all want to go research that, you know, maybe Chris, next time you get up here, you'll give us the con conclusion of that answer. Um, but yes, Christians can have a moment. And if that moment is at the wrong time, we may do something that we said I would never do. Yes, ma'am. That's right. Excellent. And like the scripture says, the inventors of evil. Yeah. You know, they're thinking of ways, thinking of, you know, mm -hmm. that is time, that's energy, that's action. That's right. That's a lot. And, and also, there are times, like you had said, where a believer is willing to be rebuked and corrected for being in a pit of sorrow and Yeah. You're you're right. Uh, the parable of the sower, the one who, when the sun comes out, they looked good. They received the word immediately with joy. But when times of persecution and tribulation on account of the word came, immediately they fall away. They believe for a while. So you're absolutely right. If it, if it gets so hard that they say, I don't want Christ. I'm done with this. Exhibit A, B, C, D, E. Um, and it doesn't go from white to black. There's a song from the movie uh, Fireproof, Slow Fade. It's a slow fade. So it doesn't just start right. However, with Elijah, it was kind of overnight from this thing to this thing, right? Huge extreme. So it could be that. Uh, after huge victories, there's actually a bit of a, like a, a Bible study on how there have been great falls after huge victories. That, that, that's a real thing in the scripture. Uh, but there's a point there and a very instructive point that 
Watch your conscience closely. Keep short accounts. Because sin is deceitful, and what does it do? It hardens. So, first you have a thought. Man, nobody nobody loves me. It's just a thought. You give thought to it, and then it kind of goes away. And then another. See, you know what? Things would just be better if, if I wasn't here. And it goes away. These are little thoughts. These are the termites that are tearing down the inside of the huge oak. And then you find yourself with this tragedy and this failure and this illness, and it's all just compounded upon you, but you've had weeks or months or even a year of not making war against these thoughts. And then you act. So you're absolutely right. We have to keep short accounts between us and the Lord. And when you sin against somebody, it doesn't matter if it's your child. If you know, you who know what to do and you don't do it to you, it is sin. If you know this is not becoming of my Lord, repent, apologize. Don't justify it. I was tired. I had a long day. I'm feeling this. I was that. It's this. Don't justify it. Because if you justify that, you will find yourself justifying much bigger things later. Even possibly suicide. Do not kill yourself. Somebody's going to say, he said you can. No, do not commit murder, self-murder or anyone else. Amen. And if you are feeling discouraged, tell somebody in the church. If you're feeling low, come talk to me. Come talk to someone in the church that you trust. Children, that includes y'all. We've got to help each other. And let's not crush them when they come to us. How dare you? No, let's not do that. Let's come alongside them in a spirit of gentleness, considering ourselves, because we could do the same thing. I want to take it, but it's 11.02. So let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this great merciful truth that you forgive sin, all sin, all kinds of sin, and we have done it. Uh, Lord, we thank you that your spirit is the comforter. And Father, if there are those among us who are in great discomfort, they're afflicted, they're sorrowful, they're melancholy, they're thinking of harming themselves, whether it be from medicine or exhaustion or discouragement or anything else, Lord, I pray that first they would cry out to you and that they would talk to someone else. And may we who are approached with this news not make it worse but may we walk with them through this toward your gracious throne. In Jesus' name.